Well, praise the Lord, church. Get your Bibles out. And go to the book of Mark chapter 7. Now, I'm going to preach something to you this morning. You're either, you're either really going to like it. Oh, you're going to like it. But I know that I'm not going to get through with it. And I'm, 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 I'm going to throw a piece of meat out to you, and then I want to see y'all's reaction and how you, how you take it and digest it. And then if you don't do too well, I'm going to stay on that one part. And if you do pretty well, and I think y'all got it, well, then I'm going to move on to the, you know, part two of this thing. But uh, i got to throw this piece of meat out to you and, and let you uh, see how it's going to go. You know, uh, we just services last week, you know, Brother Ivan was here preaching, and he, you know, preached a great message, preached on love, and then preached on being Christ-centered on, and, and on Wednesdays and, or Sunday night, whichever way it went. But he said something. I'd been, doing, I'd been studying this here in Mark 7 because I knew I was going to preach this message. But he said something that just leapt off the page to me. I hardly heard anything else he said the whole night when he said this. And, and uh, it was simply this. He said he talked about thoughts that come to us and that the devil wants to evangelize us. He said, used that terminology, evangelize us. And I thought, I never thought about it like that. I never thought about that. As, as the Holy Spirit wants to impress us and, and evangelize us by getting the Word of God or, uh, you know, into our, our, our understanding or, you know, you know how one of those days that you, 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 you're, you're in your normal function of life, but it seems like the song that came on the radio, the, the, the scripture you read that morning, you see a billboard, you see something, starts jumping off, it's all saying the same thing, you know? So that's the Holy Ghost trying to evangelize you. He's trying to get you stirred up about something. He's trying to speak to you. You see, you, somebody says something to you, greet them, and they say something like, wow, yeah, that's crazy. That's the same thing I was just thinking about, whatever, you know? That's the Holy Spirit trying to evangelize you, trying to get you going. Well, I never thought about it in a reverse, that the enemy's doing the same thing, that he's wanting to evangelize you to his doctrine, his doctrine of doubt and unbelief, his doctrine of fear, his doctrine of, of sickness, his doctrine of, of negativism. He's wanting to evangelize you in that. So when you, you, you know, bad things start happening, you know, or one after the other, this problem and that problem, and then, you know, it starts building up and then you start turning negative and then everything's you know, shot to pieces and it's not going to figure, oh God, this is going to happen and then that's going to happen. You've got evangelized by the devil. Okay? So that thought hit me when he was preaching how it fit into my message that I'm going to share with you today. So Mark 7, 1 is where I want to start. It says, And the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eating bread with defile, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Now, when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things in which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups and pitchers and copper vessels and, and uh, couches. Couches? Couches? I just saw that right there. I just like, couches? That must be something else. But anyway, then the Pharisees, and the, I mean, because it doesn't fit copper pitchers, and then they wash their couch. No, anyway. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do the disciples not walk around to the traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said unto them, 
Well did Isaiah prophesy to you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, and laying aside the commandments of God. You hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers, the cups, and other such things you do. And he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your traditions. For Moses says, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received of me is Corbin, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect making the word of God of no effect, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. Okay, now look at this. The the Pharisees, the religious group, were mad at the disciples because they didn't wash their hands correctly before they ate. It wasn't about like it was because their mamas taught them to, Right? It became a religious tradition. There was nothing in the Bible. Common sense may say, wash your hand before you eat, but there was nothing biblical or scriptural about it. They did it because they did a ceremonial washing of the hands and the cleansing. They had to do it a certain way. They made it. They made. They added to the Bible. Let me put it that way. They added to the commandment of something that they thought they needed to do. And then they said, he go, so Jesus turns this on them. And rather than sitting there just arguing that point, he just flips it around on them so that they're caught. And he says, yeah, you go over there and you say, the Bible says honor your father and your mother, but you take your wealth that comes to you and you declare that it belongs to God. That's what Corbin means. It's a, it was a Jewish terminology that they'd put in there, actually from the Greek. And they put it in there saying that if like, like, like the church paid me a salary, but if I declared my salary was dedicated to God, then I didn't have any money. So therefore, I couldn't give anything to my parents. And they basically were doing that so they didn't have to give to their parents. They were basically breaking the commandment because they came up with a commandment and a way around having to do what God had told them to do. They made a tradition because they didn't want to keep the commandment of God. And Jesus turned it around. And, but look what he says. This is what I want you to focus on. Forget about the Pharisees. They have their own problem. That's their own business, right? This is what I want to ask you this morning. It says, the last part of that verse, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a tradition in your life that makes the word of God not have an effectual work in your life. Now, the way Jesus put this and the way Jesus said this, you have to understand this. God wants to work in your life. Listen to me this morning. I, I, I'm prophesying to you, right? I'll be, the, I'll be the big prophet this morning. I guarantee you I'm not wrong. God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. God wants to heal you. God wants to love you. God wants to show mercy on you. All the tradition, all the religious jargon, all the hoopla about, no, God sometimes wants to try to kill you with cancer and get you down to where you just barely got a breath left in you, and then you'll cry out to him because you're so hard-headed. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe anywhere in the scriptures you can find that. I believe that we serve a good God. I serve a God of love, serve a God of mercy who wants to deliver you 
through his promises because he paid the ultimate price for you. That's Jesus on the cross. I love my children. I love my children. And I would not want one of my children to go to the cross for, uh, uh, for the world. Are you with me? How much more did God, his own heart break, sending his son to the cross to pay the price for all of us so that then his promises could be extended to each and every one of us, so his love could be extended to each and every one of us. And listen to me, church, when you take on and something bad comes in your life. Now, when I say bad, you know, um, if you keep sticking your finger in the light socket and the light and the, and the electricity keeps shocking you and then your fingernail falls off and you come to me and say, I don't know why these bad things are happening to me. I, I, I pretty much am going to stop and say, look, uh, you need more healing than I can see because you, your fingernail fell off because you keep sticking it in the light socket. Quit doing that and everything will help and be changed. Hello? Some people want to blame everything on God while they're sticking their finger in the light socket. And I'm saying quit putting your finger in there and things will change. Hello? You can't be mad and curse your husband and every day and then wonder why he doesn't love you. Am I right? Wives, you cannot nag your husband, tell him he's a sorry, no good for nothing, lazy, bum, fat, stupid, hairy, smelly. You can't talk to him like that and then wonder why he doesn't want to hold your hand and say, sweetie, I love you. I've always just being with you is a pleasure. Right? I mean, sometimes you've got to have some sense. You've got to grab hold of yourself and look at your life and say, am I doing things that are, 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 are being productive for fruit? Right? And you can't blame God, say, well, I wouldn't be all grumpy and I would have to call him all those things if you just hit him with a bolt of lightning and changed him. You can't get into that kind of crazy thinking. You've got to understand the principle of God. God wants to bless his children, but our traditions, our habits, our ways stop the commandments of God from working in our lives. Let me read this to you. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, by which have been given to us, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Promises have been given to us. Everybody say, promises have been given to me. That through these, what? What are these? The promises, right? That through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. He says he gave you promises, exceeding great and precious promises that are yours, that you can escape the corruption that's in this world. But you can't 
have in your life the exceeding great and precious promises if your traditions are stopping the commandments from operating. Are y'all following me? Y'all kind of looking at me funny. I see a few faces looking at me like a cow going through a new gate. So then let me, let me put it to you this way. The force, the, just give me this, okay? Just give me this. The power and the force of God's word wanting to work in your life has already been loosed. It's already out there by the blood of Jesus for every person who's a believer. And the way it will appropriate to your life is when you get in line with God's word. It just happens. It's again that electric flow. You take an extension cord over here with a male in, and you take an extension cord over here with a female in, and it's plugged in over there to the wall socket, and you take it like this, and you bring it together. There's no power running down that other side, but the moment you make the connection, boom, the power begins to flow. Right? Y'all remember, y'all have to think back a while. Remember, remember in the old days when we had Christmas lights, and they were actually those little bulbs that you screwed in, you know? And if one of them was out, then none of them worked. And then you would have to go through all those, those Christmas lights, unscrewing bulbs, and turning and messing with that little, little, no, the little, what's the little, what do you call that little, does it have a name, David? The little brass deal that's down at the bottom that you screw that it makes a connection, you know? You know what I'm talking about. You had to make sure you had to stick your in there and make sure you had unplugged it before you put your pocket knife down there and kind of lifted that thing up and screwed it down in there and plugged it back in, see if it'd work and go through all that, right? Because there was a bulb out. So the lines didn't work. Well, I'm asking you this morning, it, could it be? I mean, y'all are the most amazing people on the face of the earth, and I know you do everything correct. Could it be that there might be a bulb out in your string that's hindering the power of God from flowing in your life? Could you possibly have a light bulb out? Look at the person beside you and say, uh, I think he's talking about you. You're jumping up and down. You've checked everything. You, you, you say, man, I don't understand. God's not moving in my life. He's, I've been praying. I've been over there. I checked the fuse box. See, I'm going back again. Y'all remember the fuses in the old fuse boxes where you screwed them in? And do you remember there was something that was said that you should never do that we all did was put a penny behind it? When it wasn't working and then screwed it in and you would get power because the penny's making the connection, but you weren't supposed to do that because then there was no fuse, right? Hello? Y'all have all done it. Okay, so you've been out and you've checked the fuse box. You've gone in there. You've prayed, man. You had deliverance in your life. You did this, that, the other, and man, your fuse panel's working. You can't understand why. You're not getting the Christmas lights on. You check the plug. You know, you did all these things, but you never thought about there may be one bulb out that's hindering the flow to make all the lights come on. And so what I'm challenging you about this morning is, I feel like it's time in life that the Holy Spirit is saying to us, it's time to quit blaming God that this has happened. It's time to... It's time to stop looking around and praying about what if, or why did, or how come... Those words need to get out of our mouth. Quit saying them. Quit looking. Quit spending your time, wasting your time trying to figure, well, what if this would have happened and that would have been this way and whatever. And Stop praying about, you know, getting Jesus to do something for you because he's already done everything on the cross. He's already paid the price. Let me read you another scripture. 
2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises are yes and amen to those that will believe. All the promises are already yes and amen. The answer to your prayer, if you said, Jesus, will you heal me? Yes, it's already there. The answer is there. Yes. And then when you say, okay, I'm believing, he says, amen. (laughs) So be it. It's already yes and so be it. Why? Because Jesus paid the price on the cross for us. Let me read Romans 3.21. 3.21. For now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. To all and own all who believe. To all and own all who believe. For there's no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Folks, at salvation, when you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you committed your life to him, at that moment when salvation came into your life, you were justified. You were made righteous through the blood of Jesus. So then, therefore, that meant all the promises of God became yours. Does God have a promise to make you sick? I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. When you get to heaven, are there going to be sick people? You could go ask anybody. You could ask atheists, and they say, well, I don't believe in a heaven, but if there was a heaven, it's supposed to be a perfect place so there wouldn't be anybody sick. You know, you with me? There's no leprosy in heaven. There's no blind eyes. There's no, there's no limp people walking around in heaven saying, I'm going to go praise God. Are you with me? All of us will agree to that, right? Because you're in the presence of Almighty God, the creator of the heaven and earth and all therein. He made you and breathed life into you. So then if all the promises are yes and amen, then why would God want you sick on this earth? Why would God want you suffering on this earth? Why would God want you miserable on this earth? Why would God want you in poverty on this earth? A lot of preachers take this message and they only want to focus on prosperity, but I don't believe prosperity is true prosperity until your soul is prospering. Because then you're just a rich man with money who's got a warped soul. And I believe the best thing in life is to be prosperous all around. Right? Have money to bless other people with. Bless the orphans. Bless the kids. The other day, my wife and I, we were somewhere and and we were walking into a store or something. I don't know what we're doing, but we were going in and and we were talking about something was said about finances. And I I looked at her and I said, you know, we're never going to have enough money. And she looked at me like, why don't you make a statement like that? And I said, we have 143 children. How can you have enough money if you have 143 children? Because I look at every one of those kids at the orphanage at Casa Angelina as our sons and daughters. So I want them taken care of. I want them blessed. And you all know how much expensive it is to raise your own family, much less 143 more. So I said, I'm always going to need money. No matter what, you give me a million dollars, I'm going to need another million in a short while. Because I'm spending it on my, so I'm always going to be in this place where money's going to be, I'm, I'm doing this, continue, I'm just getting and giving, getting and giving, getting and giving. And my hands are just moving like this. I don't know how much is in the pot over there, but we're just taking and we're just going and we're just doing. 
And I can't help it. I'm addicted. Listen to me, folks. I'm addicted to giving. I can't help it. When Brother Ivan was here, we, we, uh, it just came up that a, we own a piece of property below the orphanage. And uh, I went down there when I was there in March and I and started investigating it. It was difficult. I needed a rope to let me down it. It's like this, okay? I wasn't so, it was easy going down. Okay? Say it that way. But when I got down there, I started finding all these ferns. And I started digging around there, and there's so much, there's a big spring back there, and there's so much water that I shoved a stick down in the mud and then pulled it out and watched the water come up, and that was in the dry season. So we bought that, okay? But you got to understand, it's not a very big parcel. It's not like, you know, you got 100 acres. I mean, it's like, I don't know, three acres, something like that. And so while we were here, the, the piece right beside us came up because I told Ivan, I said, man, it's a good spot, but if we dig a well here, that guy's going to see it. And then he looks like the spring might come from above us, and it's over on that property. And then if we dig one, he might get wise, and he'll dig that one, and it may hurt us. And it came up to buy. It came up for, to sell. And so I told him Wednesday night, I said, buy it right now. We'll buy it. Living Word Church, we'll pay for it. Just find out how much it is. We'll buy it right now. And so I, I'm addicted to giving. I can't help but give. My, I'm always doing this. No matter. We get a big lump in, I'm giving money out because... That's just the way it's going to be. So I'm always going to be in need of money. So I need to be blessed. I need to prosper. I need to have, you know, I'm believing God that I have a $900 million line of credit with him. You say, that's amazing. That's a lot. Folks, in my life, I'm going to need it. $900 million line of credit. That's what I call it. So I pull on it every now and then. Hey, Lord, it's like going to the banker. I need, I need another shot in my line of credit here. And God always provides, Okay. My point is, is that if you're believing God wants you in poverty, not prospering, God gave you this unruly husband because he's trying to hurt you or you did too much sin. Listen, you may have been sinning and got yourself in trouble, but God wants you delivered. You're no good to him if you're, if you're a warped, twisted soul. If you're warped, God wants to straighten you. And you say, oh, well, that's where the... That's where the God comes in and uses his rod on me to straighten me. And I don't know if I want that. No, let me tell you something. What God's going to cause that rod to come into your life and try to straighten you is, is you're going to have to finally admit you're crazy. You're going to have to finally admit to your wife you may be a problem. You're going to have to finally admit to yourself that you've got some warp twisted down on the inside of you. And you're going to have to change your speech and learn the word of God and change the way you're doing things. Hello? And that's what hurts, because we don't want to admit it, because we're people full of pride, and we think we can do it ourselves, and we think everything's okay. And then you have to admit to yourself that you may be crazy. I know I'm crazy. Folks, I know I'm crazy. I admit it to the Lord. I got crazy down deep on the inside of me. I come from a whole family of fighters and killers and Texas Rangers and Indian fighters, and, 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 and you've looked down through my history, man. We ain't got nobody that was peaceable. And so my first instinct is going to be, I've, God's been dealing with me that I, I like. I, I was telling my wife this this morning. I have, I have files in my head. And in these files, sometimes are all the things that happen bad. And so when I come up to a situation, for some reason... The little jerk on the inside of me likes to go through the files negative first. 
I'm like, oh, I know what's about to happen. I, you know, my files are going to, yeah, I did this once before, and this is what happened, and then it's going to go here. While I've got a huge stack. Let me ask you this. Okay, let me ask you this. How many of y'all, this is a good one, have ever run out of water? You're on a well around here, and you've run out of water before. Raise your hand so I know that I'm in a, the, the right folks, right? You went out there, you ran out of water, right? And you say, oh, why did this happen? Oh, my God, we ran out of water. There's no water. Oh, it's me. This isn't right. This shouldn't have happened. Because, you know, you're a little irritated when you're out of water, right? So you just throw a fit. No, oh, God. How many times have you ever got up and just said, Lord, I just thank you for the other 364 days out of this year that I had water? Have your traditions nullified the word of God from working in your life because your first thought was negative? Why does this always happen to me? How come the water always goes out with me? And we don't have any money right now to buy that pump and we got to do this. When you should have said, whoa, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I made it 364 days. With water. Man, my tanks are full. My toilet's flushed. Lord, glory to God, I got to wash my hair. I got to take a shower. You're so good to me, Lord. Whoa! No, no. We're in there throwing a fit, jumping up and down. This is not right. We live out here in the middle of nowhere. We're in the wilderness. We got nothing out here. They can't do this. Can I have an Amen. Run out of water when your wife just washing her hair. <laughs> Hello? And see what happens to us is we get to be, we let that file that it, we ran out of water once happen and then it begins to torment us because that's the negative file. So we go over there to the negative side and then that's what comes up first. And if you don't watch it, you're going to turn into the woe is me person and your traditions and your habits are going to nullify the word of God from working in your life. That's what Jesus was talking about, because all the promises are yes and amen to you. But folks, we live in a fallen world and there's going to be hiccups. Pumps don't last forever. Water hoses don't last forever. Pipelines don't last forever. Right? They will break. Your car will break down. You will have a flat. It doesn't mean that you're cursed from, you know, the curse of Gehenna is upon you because you had a flat. It means you ran over something and you went in your tire and you had a flat. We don't want to. We never want to. Nobody wants to fix a flat. There's no joy in fixing flats unless you're getting paid to fix the flat. But when it's on your vehicle, there's no joy in that. You don't. You've got to be kind of demented if you go up and say, oh, praise God, I had a flat on my car, and I've always wanted to know how to change the tire. (laughs) That's just not right. Okay? So the promises of God are yes and amen to those that will believe. But we got to look into our lives and see, is there something going on in our life that's nullifying the commandment of God from working in our life? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. Is there a light bulb that needs to be unscrewed? Is there a light bulb that needs to be taken out? So I'm going to give you some things that possibly may. This is part two. Y'all seem like y'all did part one pretty well. Seem like y'all ate it okay. I don't see any, you know, regurgitation going on. So I'll give you part two. We're going to look at some things that possibly you could be doing that's nullifying the word of God in your life. Go to Matthew chapter six. Verse 25. 
Matthew 6.25. The first one's worry. It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. When my wife and I, our children were small and, and we'd lost the ranch and I went broke and I had no money and nowhere to turn, no nothing, you know, uh, anything. I was digging change out everywhere I could from between seats and looking for pennies on the ground and whatever I had. I remember reading this scripture and saying to the Lord, I just do not understand. She said, don't worry about my life, but I'm worried about it because I don't know what to do. I don't have any money. I, I need to do this. But I didn't understand the principles of God. I, wasn't, I didn't know what God wanted for me. I didn't know how to, to pray and confess and to, to give and to see God turn things around in my life. I didn't know those things. And so I'd read that scripture and I'd say, this doesn't even make any sense. How can you say this to me? But I want to tell you something. God wants you blessed. And he doesn't want you to be worrying about your life. He said, say, what do we eat or what do we drink and about your body and what should we put on? Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Now, I just want to say this to y'all. <clears throat> I'm guilty. Okay, I'm, I'm saying this because God gave me this message first. All right? <clears throat> I kind of hate to admit it, but the Holy Ghost really convicted me in my life that I don't like to be discomforted. And because I do not like to be discomforted, I sometimes worry. Because I'm worrying about what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, what am I... My shoes, are they fitting my feet right? My feet hurt. I need a new pair of shoes. I don't know if those shoes are going to work. If I go, is it going to be hot or is it going to be cold? Or what are we going to eat? What's the water going to be like? What are we, you know, like this. And I, I have to admit it. The Holy Ghost convicted me one day and said, if you quit worrying so much about your comfort, you wouldn't have any really anything to think about. And I was like, that hurt, Lord. That really hurt. I mean, you like, mm. So, you know, we're getting ready to go on a trip. And, and, and so we're packing and I'm trying to pack light. And I keep throwing stuff in the suitcase. And, you know, my, my, my carry-on's getting bigger. My backpack's getting bigger because I keep putting stuff in it. So she, my wife looked at me and said, well, why you got that coat in there? And I said, well, I might have to have it. Why are you going to have a coat? You know, when you get there, you can just unzip your suitcase and get your coat out. I said, but I want one on the plane. She said, well, why would you want one on the plane? And I said, well, sweetie, we're, we're going, you know, we're going off the whatever that would be north. And I said, if the plane had to land somewhere that looks like ice on the Greenland, or the plane would have to land, it'd probably cold. She said, why would the plane land on ice on Greenland? I said, I don't know, but it might. And I want a coat. Because I don't want to be cold. And then I thought, I might as well pack the coat, because if I get there, she's not going to pack her coat. And if it is, we're on the tarmac in Greenland, I'm going to have to give her my coat, because she's going to be sent, so I might as well just put my coat up. But the whole fretting of everything comes about that I don't want to be discomforted. Hello? Are you following me here? I love air conditioning. But how many people lived in this valley without any air conditioning for years and years and years? And nobody complained because they didn't know about air conditioning. Now, I'm not preaching by all means give it up. But I'm just saying we really throw a fit when the air conditioner goes out. And we can be concerned about that. Oh, that air conditioner's getting old. But, right? Am I right? Are y'all hearing me now? It's your, about your comfort level. It's creating stress and worry in your life because you don't want to be discomforted 
physically or mentally. So he says, life's more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, I'm thinking, guys, y'all with me? Food. Food. I, 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 I can't help it. I can't, I can't go without it. It's hard to wean myself off of it. I get hungry, and I get angry. Right? I want to eat. And God says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. I'm worried about what I'm going to eat. Where am I going to eat? The moment I'm leaving the house, I'm thinking about where am I going to eat? If I'm going to San Antonio before we leave and get off onto the road, I'm thinking about where are we going to eat lunch? And my wife will say, well, that's, you know, that's four hours from now. Don't make no, that's a reasonable request. Where are we going to eat? I finally got, I'm the guy that takes a bag of oranges, you know, and some bologna and some stuff all in a bag back there that I never eat, feed it to the cats when I get back because I didn't eat it, and I had it. (laughs) Right? He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, and they gather to mourn, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I told the Lord the other day, it's I'm feeding them. I threw the seed out. Them old doves are sitting around out there looking, waiting. Hey, you going to throw something out? <laughs> he says, well, I did it through you. I took care of them. You don't think I can take care of you? And I'm like, I just don't want to be. I'm scared, Lord. I might be uncomfortable. Because you might not find the person that would feed me to one, and I'd really rather eat at 12. You see how our traditions get in and nullify the word of God? God may be wanting to send me to a banquet, maybe want to just, man, have somebody come up and say, I tell you what I believe this morning. God spoke to me. I may not even know him. Flag me down the side of the road. Flash your light. Say, I don't know who you are, but God told me there's going to be this car coming by here, and I was supposed to come out and give them $500 and tell them to eat the best meal they've ever eaten. But I'm nullifying it because I got my oranges and my bologna in there preparing everything. Hello? Are y'all with me? I know I'm being silly, but I'm telling you the truth. I got out, there's a lot of truth in my examples I'm giving here. We're nullifying the things of God because we're doing it ourselves because we won't believe him and trust him to really take care of us. He said, well, take care of the birds. He'll take care of everything. And we're like, I don't think you can take care of me, Lord. Are you not more valued than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is tomorrow and is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? After these things, the Gentiles seek. Okay. So, well, let me finish that. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, let me finish up on this point. <clears throat> We're trying to control everything so that we're not discomforted. And in doing so, we're hindering the commandment of God from flowing in our life. And so 
I began to ask the Lord about this. Why do we do this? Why as people do we do this? And he told me something that really was a revelation to me. It's because we live looking in the past rather than looking to the future. We look at the past problems, the past failures, the past times that we didn't take a lunch and then we had to go do something and we were hungry. We look back at the past. We, we tend to be, as human beings, line things up as the mistakes of the past. And so, therefore, it hinders our future. One time, years and years and years ago, I was working for, as a carpenter five bucks an hour. And we were just barely making it, just barely keeping our heads alive and up above water. And, and the well went out. And, and the pressure pump went out. And so I called... The, the well service and asked them what it would take, and they said it would be $200. And I didn't have $200. Might as well have said $2,000. I mean, I didn't have any close to $200. I was making $385.65. I'll never forget that figure. $385.65 a week. And $200, that was everything. And so I remember kneeling at, out at the pump house, because I was saved then. I didn't know a whole lot, but I was on fire for God. And I knelt out by the pump house. And I prayed, said, God, I don't know what to do. You said, I used Matthew 6, not to worry about tomorrow, but I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about right now. I don't have any water, and I can't pay for this pump, and I will not order it if I don't have the money. So, Father, i got to ask you, do something. I need a miracle now. And I promise you, as God is my witness, my phone rang. And I picked it up, and this person on the other end of the phone said, Hey, Robert, listen, I've got too many hunters this week, and I, need, I, need a, I don't have enough guides. Would you be willing to guide a hunter? I said, Yeah, how much does it pay? He said, Well, it'll be, it'll be $200. I said, I'll be there. And instantly, my problem was gone. That's a great testimony. But I want to tell you something, in the light of the world, this happened, this happened, you know, 16, 18 years ago. In light of the things going on in the world, sometimes I forget about it. And we get to thinking of the negative. We get to thinking of saying, oh, the last time this happened, oh my God, it cost me so much, I don't know what I want to do. Da, 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 da. And we forget about looking to the future of God's prosperity and God's commandment and what he's doing for us today. What he's done in the past becomes our future of what he's going to do for us tomorrow. What we do is we look at the negative, and we let that build up, and the devil evangelizes us. And we just go over it and over it and over it. This is what happened in my past. Woe is me. Oh, and the devil, by doing that, is evangelizing us. You might as well have the Billy Graham of Satan own evangelizing you. Are you with me? You're not listening to the Billy Graham gospel hour. You're listening to the devil's gospel hour coming through you and just ripping you apart and putting sowing doubt and unbelief in you and building up your file of negativism and causing you to be, woe is me, and he's only doing it for the purpose. Not because he wants you tormented. He's doing it to keep the word of God from working in your life. He's keeping, he's doing it so that the commandment will not have an effect in your life. Because how many of y'all know 
When you do see God move, then you're going to tell somebody. Look what God did. And when you tell somebody, then that's going to build and evangelize them for the gospel's sake. So this is what you've got to start, you've got to start doing. You've got to stop and you've got to look. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna quit this, but I've got I've got a whole bunch more of how the devil what he uses to evangelize you. But this is what you've got to do. You've got to stop and you've got to start looking at when things happen, how what's coming through your head? Is it the devil evangelizing you? Or are you pro- proclaiming your future of what God's gonna do? Are you standing up and saying, oh man, greater is he that's in me and he's in this world? My God shall provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this, but you're going to get me out of this. Now, the bigger the problem, the more faith you're going to have to put out. If you've never seen God do something in your life, the commandments haven't been working, yeah, you're going to have to stretch. But let me tell you something. Start. Do not ever... Quit and give up. Don't yield and give in to fear. Don't give in to doubt. Don't give in to unbelief. Don't go in there. Don't listen to that. Don't pull up your files. Don't go out and say, yeah, oh, you know, sister so-and-so, she, she, look at what happened to her or whatever. I don't listen to me. I'm not saying this in, like I don't care about her, but I, I am not, I don't care about what went on in their life. That's not me. You cannot compare yourself to somebody else. You can't compare and say, oh, that person had greater faith than I've ever had. Well, you don't know that. You don't know what else is going through their mind. Some people just got a good outside face. Some people just looking and smiling and look pretty on the outside, and they're nuts on the inside. <laughs> and the thoughts and the things going through their, their mind and the things that are going through their head and what's really flying around in them just didn't come out of their mouth, but it's in them. And so quit comparing yourself to them. You live your life. And believe God for the power of God and the commandments of God to have an effect in your life. That God wants you blessed. He wants you on top. He wants you ahead. He wants you woo, out there. You say, well, I don't know. I just don't know if you know, God really wants me some blessing. Listen, get all you can and then give it to me. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you've got a problem with money, get the money all you can. Get it in my pot over here, man. Let me get it. Get it in the water hole. Let me be thrashing that stuff out. I got 143 children to take care of. I'm worse than the old lady in the shoe. (laughs) My kids everywhere. There's times, and I'll be honest with y'all, one of the, you know, Brother Ivan and Kimberly, I have the utmost respect for them. Uh, their whole family and all that they're doing, but there's times that, you know, I just I, I think, oh my gosh, I start I start panicking, and I'm not them, because literally they're taking care of all of those kids as if they were their children. So we got a new one down there at the orphanage. Two of our a boy and a girl have started dating, and uh, I mean it's I mean they've been I mean like. It's not like something that just kind of happened. They don't do it. I mean, you got to understand, there's a rigorous hurdles you have to jump <laughs> at Casa Angelina for boys to date a girl, okay? And most of it means, you know, getting it on your hands and knees and crawling before Ivan and Kimberly and begging that they may let them do it or not throw them out of the orphanage, you know? But uh, uh, 
And both of them, the only good news is, is that only one of them has actually been adopted because a lot of the kids, they have no last name. So they adopt and they take uh, Tate as their last name. So I said, yeah, what are you going to do when two kids come up? And they're both Tates. <laughs> so you have Tate 1 marrying Tate 2 being married by Tate. I said, it's getting kind of weird. We're going to have to put some of the names in here or something, you know, because all of our kids, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. So if you've got a problem with it, just give it to me. I will sow it into the gospel for you. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, you can always give your excess to Pastor Robert. <laughs> but you've got you to gotta, you gotta grab a hold of this message, folks. I'm telling you. It'll bring peace in your mind. It will bring, it'll bring strength within you. And then you're going to see the commandment of God begin to work in your life. Don't let your traditions nullify the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Stand up if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down, please? Now, I prayed for you all a while ago, those that, that, that got into that prayer, but you may be here this morning and you need more prayer. You need something you want some agreement on. That's why we're here to pray with you and agree with you and to see God's word work in your life. If you're out there listening today and watching the broadcast, I just want to encourage you, keep listening, keep watching, but I want to tell you something. If you're out there, don't, don't, don't sit there in your couch or wherever you may be in your car and let this message slide off your ears and fall off your heart. Listen to me today. God wants to bless you. He loves you. And if you're out there and you don't know that Jesus Christ truly is your Lord and Savior, you don't know that you're right with Him, then you need to stop what you're doing right where you are. And you need to ask Him to come into your life. You need to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I'm, I'm headed to hell. And I ask you today to come into my life. Forgive me. Let me see Romans 3 come about and become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And He will. If you're in here, church, and you're not sure that you're right with God, that's why we're here at the front to pray with you. I'm not going to beg you to come up. I'm kind of hard-nosed on this, and, and, and I'm not trying to be mean or ugly. I'm just saying, you make a public declaration for Jesus, Jesus will always be there with you. And don't let the devil evangelize you and let you walk out of this church unless you know you're right with God. If you're not sure you're right with God, we're here to pray with you. All we're going to do is pray for you. We're not going to charge you. Not going to charge you. Not going to join you in the in the church. You're not going to become the church cult, right? You're going to meet Jesus Christ, and He's going to become your Lord and Savior. He's going to set you free. The power of the Holy Ghost is then going to begin to work in your life, and He's going to open up your eyes, and you're going to see things you never saw before. So if you're not right with God, don't leave. If you're with your husband or your wife, just get and join hands and come up here and and let us pray with you, and get things right. Amen. And I want to tell you something. Go home, evaluate yourself, and ask yourself the question, are you being evangelized by the Holy Spirit, or are you being evangelized by the devil? And if your choice is the second one, then look down and say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. Folks, there's nothing wrong with repentance. I repent all the time. I am not a perfect person. When I leave this pulpit and the anointing of God is off of me, I'm as human as human could be. Well, that's not even true. <laughs> and so I have to repent a lot. 
but I'm quick to repent. And Jesus loves me. I'm his favorite. So be quick to repent and say, Lord, forgive me for listening to the devil. Forgive me for being evangelized by the enemy. And he will. Amen? So take that person's hand. I want to pray for you. Father, I just declare that as we leave this building, right now we set our hearts together. We are not going to be evangelized by the devil. Lord, I declare we are going to go forth and we are going to proclaim that, God, you were for us. You want good in our lives. You love us. You have mercy upon us. You want to heal our hearts. You want to heal our souls. You want to heal our minds. You want to heal our bodies. And, Lord, you want us to be more like you. And so right now, we just come to this place and we say, Lord, here we are. Forgive us, and we want to grow and be more like you. So today, Lord, I just declare that something takes place within our hearts. There's an exposure of wrong thinking. And that, Lord, today, I declare that your hand of blessing is upon each and every person. And that, Lord, as we go out of here, we're going to tell others the good news about you. And, Lord, I thank you for it. And I praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We're here to pray for you, church, if you need it. God bless you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.